Hello, hello! My name is Jordan and I'm your host and today we are joined with a very, very special guest. Bree, won't you go ahead and introduce yourself? So, hi there everyone! My name is Bree Ahrens, she, her. I am currently a local agent and cultural and community engagement networker professional. Many people would say guru, other people would say novice. However, um, I am originally Jamaican, born and raised. I've been living in the States for the last 10 years. And I love being on podcasts like these. So thank you so much, Jordan, for having me. Of course. It's it's going to be an amazing episode. Just thinking about our scripting and planning meeting, it was amazing. So can't wait to get started. So what are we actually talking about? glad you asked so today we're going to be talking about the changes in finance within the last two or three years and we'll then be going to how self-worth or greed intertwines with finance because we we all know somebody who's really greedy with their money and we'll lastly be talking about values beliefs and understandings and how values behaviors and understanding my apologies and how that sort of intertwines with finance as well um okay so as you guys know we do have a rose thorn bud segment but if you are a new listener our rose is a highlight success small win or something that happened today or within the last week a thorn is a challenge you experienced or something you could use more support with and lastly a bud are some new ideas that have blossomed or something you're looking forward to knowing more about or experiencing so that being said, Bree, if you want to take charge with that, you can go ahead. So, uh, a rose that I experienced this week, I would definitely say was reconnecting with my coworkers in person. We had a barbecue. So we, we usually have our Friday morning meetings on Zoom, especially over the last two years when the office was closed. Uh, we felt very detached from one another and finally seeing each other in person was really, really rewarding. It was so healing because I, you know, discussing ideas organically, brainstorming, supporting one another through a medium that was not a screen, that was not a phone, that was not text. It was really, really eye-opening and inspiring. It was so encouraging because as we head into this digital era and advisors become more robotized, it felt good to know that, hey, we are in a very human experience. We're in a very human industry and we, we, we we need to be as human in this experience as possible. So seeing each other for the first time in going on three years, that was so healing for each and every one of us. Mm. As for a thorn or challenge that I experienced this week, I love gardening. I call it gardening with God or gardening without Google because I'm choosing to use the gardening experience to inform me on life. And life certainly taught me a lesson when I put my planting rack in my car right beneath my um, 
my back windscreen. It was just there for a little under an hour and the sun fried all of my plants. Oh wow. So that was my porn. Um, that was a, that, but I'm sure there was an important lesson to learn there. Uh, and as for a bud, which would be a new idea that has definitely blossomed, uh, I've chosen to take sick leave on May 16th to go away and take care of my mental health. I made that decision this week um, because I absolutely have to. And so I'm really looking forward to that. It'll be six weeks away from society, completely isolated, no cell phone signal, just me, my brain, and I. Oh, right, and two dogs. Um, <laughs> but I'm really, really excited about that because I, I haven't taken that kind of break for myself. When you're a business owner or an entrepreneur or someone like me who's building a practice, you're always thinking about your clients. When you're in the world of finance, you are always checking up on on finance because once people are spending money, once people are, are engaging in financial activity, the world never sleeps. And so I, it felt as though I never got any sleep ever since I started this, this work that I do um, over the past two going on three years, seven days a week, even if I'm not in front of a client, um, my mind is on what I need to be doing for my clients. And so taking that break, I don't even know what a break is. I am an immigrant. We do not know what breaks are. <laughs> so I think the first three weeks will be exploring what a break is. And that the next three weeks will be actually taking that break. But I'm excited about it. That's good. Oh, well, I'm super glad that you got to reconnect and as well as <clears throat> learning to take a break because, man, as much as I love Forever Blooming, it is a lot to take care of. So I can definitely understand <laughs> like, just 24-7. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for sharing. Um, just to get ahead of, just to talk about my rose thorn bud as well. My rose is that it's, it's kind of like a bittersweet rose because I just put in my two weeks for my job and it's going to alleviate so much stress <laughs> because my job, I hated my job and I don't like things that, I don't like doing things that I hate to do. So it's going to alleviate so much stress, but at the same time, I also had to go through that process of finding a new job and everything like that, which is going to be a thorn, um, as well as just, uh, you know, getting through that process of interviewing and uh, researching new jobs. It's going to be, yeah, a thorn. And as far as the bud goes, um, really excited for the new job. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much it. And I'm hoping to do a more creative job, a more hands-on job, just so that I can personally just love what I do every day, even if there are the challenges that come with it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my roast on bud. So that being said, we can go ahead and move on to topic one, which is just the changes in finance in the last two or three years. So what have you observed? Yeah, so in terms of changes that I've witnessed, there have been so many. Uh, anyone who, who's been following the news 
finance in general has been in the news a lot more over the, over the past two years, especially economical impacts um, of COVID-19. And so I won't go into too much of the stuff that I know that is generally a lot, a lot more known. I prefer to just discuss observations, or at least the major observations that I've seen that people are talking about a little bit less. And the first I'd say is is the opposite of what I think is being reported, that people have been saving more and spending less. I actually believe that that there there's a divide in terms of what people are being exposed to because whenever we see a rise in an industry whether it be retail or or organic medicine etc and whenever we see a surge in a certain industry because of demand we know that that means that people are spending more in a certain area and so what i have observed is that people are spending more and people are spending more impulsively uh, the result, I think that this has a lot to do with people's need to feel alive. So having to isolate, social distancing, having to be at home a lot more, of course, means that we are seeing a lot, a lot less. We're seeing people a lot less. Um, we are, we're not in our workspaces. And so there's a lot more that's on our mind that we feel like we need to fill gaps for. Um, even though we're at home, more often i've you know we, we've seen a surge in doordash mm -hmm. uh, or uber grubhub etc so even though we're at home and our kitchens are right there we're actually cooking a lot less um we're, sh we're grocery shopping a lot less uh, and you would think that people would shop less because we're we're going out less but that is actually not the case we're just shopping for different things so uh, people are shopping less for dresses and more for makeup because they're on screen. Or um, people are, you know, instead of buying tiny little things or shopping for their, um, not shopping, but instead of purchasing more gym memberships, we're seeing larger purchases like Peloton. And so saving, I really, people have different philosophies around saving. However, I've definitely seen where because we the, the future is so uncertain which is exactly what saving is for you know the future the unknown future those emergencies I realized that people people become so overwhelmed living through this pandemic it's not like it's it's not like a major tragic event that occurred in one hour two hours it's something that we're all living through mm -hmm. so our usual savers who would just not touch money money is supposed to be kept in that savings account and therefore we we don't you know it's not there in our heads um people are a lot more likely to spend impulsively as i mentioned spend compulsively because we live in a digital era so there is that instant reward that we feel like we have to cater to um and as a, and and fill to sorry spend to fill gaps gaps that we that we feel on the inside or gaps that we didn't even know were there um empty spaces in our mind that used to be filled with time we're now filling with our money and so that's one major change i've seen another major change i've seen is that um people <laughs> people actually do want 
to be in more in touch with the organic um, as well as things that are tangible so organic I'd say that that has more to do with the human experience so we want to see each other more because we're tired of the camera life um, we want to be able to in, to invest in our time with one another more um, but then we'll also, again, I made mention of that, that Peloton. So we want something a lot more tangible like that Peloton. Anything that makes us feel alive. Mm-hmm. Um, people are a lot less, a lot more distrustful of big pharma, of our medical doctors. And so we're turning on more to alternative medicines. Um, I, I realize that I've seen a surge in a love for the arts and an appreciation for the arts. So that has that that connects back to that organic, that that universal language that we all speak. So if we can't have the humans in front of us, we still want to have a human experience. Um, you know, uh, especially in the first year of the pandemic, there was a surge in the exploration of nature. People were getting outdoors more. People were hiking more. As a result, we were spending more on hiking sneakers or canoes and and maybe not boats. A canoe is a boat, but you know, <laughs> you know, kayaks, etc. And people became more family oriented. People became a lot more focused on understanding who matters to them and why and wanting to hold them sacred um, and I also saw a general surge in interest in finance so uh, whatever it is that things are a lot more topsy-turvy of course we see a surge in in scams we definitely saw that um, there was a lot of uh, there were a lot of pyramid schemes and a lot of multi-level marketing that kind of surge but Instead of catering, instead of selling knives and catering to to very generic things, people knew for some reason that we wanted to understand more about how we're spending our money. Um, Whenever there is a pandemic, I think people were anticipating the inflation that was coming. And so they wanted to know what the best thing was to do with the assets that they have, the money that they generate. And so... We saw that surge in interest in financial literacy, finance classes. We also saw um, more people getting financial advisors and therefore an increase in the number of financial advisors that are in the industry. And what I noticed was that people are a lot more compassionate to one another when it came to understanding of finance. People were feeling a lot more confident with what they should do with their money or what they are doing with their money. However, the ones, however, some people actually felt more insecure after working with an advisor um, and less compassionate with themselves about the way that they were spending their money. So the people in their 20s who haven't been saving a lot, they know, all right, now it's common sense. I need to be sure that I'm investing. I need to be sure that I'm saving. Of people in their 40s who realize that they were living like they're in their 20s uh, realize that they don't have the funds necessary they haven't started saving and if you're in your 40s and you haven't started saving then you realize I actually have to be allocating at least half of my income towards retirement account if I don't want to run out of money so 
I, I, those are just the general things that I've seen uh, just based on working with my clients one-on-one, -on -one, working within my community, and of course, just general observation, national observation from the news and from trends. Um, those are those are the major things I've seen. Okay. I think I, I love how you talked about um, the uh, interest in more organic and tangible things because I have a personal account of that. I like seeing my mother throughout the pandemic, she has definitely become more like compassionate towards herself and trying to find out ways to um, feel better and that has come from a astrological and spiritual uh, standpoint to which she has like invested in things like sage or crystals or like um, things like that um, which is just like such an interesting thing that you observed because it's like I know that because my mother is all about that <laughs> yeah yeah we've definitely seen and, and even though sage and crystals um, you know some people may consider them to be non-scientific that does connect directly back to what I was saying about the alternative medicine. So people I've noticed have started practicing like Reiki mm -hmm. um, and people are, you know, they're, they're a lot more in touch with their chakras because we can't see our, our therapists right now, the, the mental health, um, I almost said mental health department, but mental health in our country right now is slammed. Mental health workers, social workers, they are exhausted. And so we found that reaching out to our community and the, and, and the alternatives we have within our community that serve those causes, including the professionals that work in those industries, they've definitely reported um, seeing a surge in the that they've been getting their their they've seen so many more customers i myself even though i have a therapist i'm now going to a reiki spot. and it's been a fascinating journey oh, I'm like, oh goodness my sacral chakra like how did you really know that that was what was wrong um and and at the same you know one one day later speaking to my therapist you know she'd be like oh are you feeling a lot of anxiety in your core i'm like that's my sacral chakra how'd you know <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so, so yeah, I relate to you on that. Definitely feel mom when it comes to those sage. Like, yeah, yeah right. I love that. I love that. And I guess I also want to touch on how I'm glad that people are getting more interested in finance. Anybody who knows me knows that I am so financially illiterate and so financially disinterested in anything like that. And I think it comes from a space of being scared because a lot of education around that has not been passed down to me um but that's much like my grandfather or my grandma didn't teach my mother about that or her grand grandma didn't teach her about that so you know those generational curses um and so it has definitely scared me and i'm glad to see that there is more interest because I feel like during my conversations with you, it's like it can definitely lead to a lot of self-compassion, definitely lead to a lot of more happiness, um, more comfort, more self-satisfaction and things like that to uh, be financially stable, be financially interested or um, just wanting to improve, wanting to um, 
maybe get different streams of income or just impro- improve on your current assets as well. So, yeah, that's awesome. Awesome, awesome. So, I think we can go ahead and move on to topic two about how self-worth and greed intertwines with finance. And, yeah, I really, I personally wanted to know more about this from your perspective because I've seen a lot of what money can do to people and especially with people who are just like not comfortable with who they are so they try to invest in things like materialistic things. Um, So definitely want to hear your thoughts on this. Absolutely, absolutely. So I know that when there there was a lot that we discussed about this last Sunday um, and I've had an interesting week. With the observations that I've had and with my annual reviews um, that echoed. So when we discussed this last week, uh, I know that there were several topics that that we covered. And I've had a pretty, pretty interesting week, um, especially with, with all the big news that, that has been coming out. And honestly, isn't there big news at least every other week? Uh, But what I found once again is that um, many people, as I mentioned before, spend impulsively, spend compulsively, but the way that we spend doesn't always align with the messages that we tell ourselves about ourselves. And so I'm always saying to my clients, it's just important that we understand our core values and the way because that directly impacts the way that we're going to spend. So for me, I know that my three core values are kindness, authenticity, and respect. And any company that I invest in, um, any business that I I may invest in or, or, or counsel, like my assets, of course, naturally are going there to grow so that they grow. And all of those companies, all those industries, all those causes that they serve directly align with kindness, authenticity, and respect. Um, What I find is that a lot of people, it's more about the dollar figure and and, and dollar amount, the rates of return. Now, rates of return are important no matter what, but it's more about what they know that they are growing and less about what that growth does for the world around them. Mm-hmm. So that's at it on a bigger scale, on a grander scale. Bringing it down to something a little bit more intimate, there's there's what we value and how we may see ourselves falling short. So let's think of it as like self-worth versus self-dissatisfaction. So we know where we are worthy we know what we consider to be worthy we know whom or what around us has worth and and what we consider why we consider those things to have worth so let's think about the most common thing in the united states that i have heard referred to and is often overspent on and that's jordans right many people will will splurge on their Jordans. It gives them that high, it makes them feel like they're they're worth so much. 
However, you know, you have a thousand dollars, you spent eight hundred on it, uh you spent eight hundred of it on Jordans, you have two hundred dollars left, right? Mm-hmm. Now you end up feeling dissatisfied with yourself because you only have two hundred dollars left. You have that high from that eight hundred dollars that was spent. Most people, when they walk around in those Jordans, will not feel like they are worth $800. As a matter of fact, they'll feel a lot more stressed about the fact that they are wearing $800. They get a little bit of dirt on those shoes, and it's like, oh my god, that's my $800. <laughs> ah! <Ew. laughs> like, and, and I realized that despite the fact that people are spending that $800 on those shoes, it that's directly tied to their sense of self-dissatisfaction and what they feel on the inside not being enough. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of greed that's associated with that. People are a lot less likely to give with their money. They're a lot less likely to to buy Jordans than they are to buy Jordans, right? Because of brand and appearance. Um, but Hordens may cost $200. Most people cannot see that the J may be spelt a little bit or maybe <laughs> drawn a little bit. You know, um, only you can see that. And also, a lot of people are a lot less likely to redirect those funds towards something that may help them or may help the world around them. So we all want some sort of compassion. We want kindness from the world around us, but yet we spend selfishly. And continuing to do that feeds the imbalance, that sense of imbalance that we feel, not just within ourselves, but in the world around us. And so, whenever, if, of course, if you're constantly pouring into yourself materially, and not organically, not in a way that aligns with your own values, you'll constantly be feeling like you need more. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's, there's a little bit of that. Um, but yeah, that's that's generally what I've observed. That and and now more than ever, because we all feel so uncertain and we're spending so impulsively because we're trying to fill fill the gaps that come with that uncertainty. Um, we we feel like we're lacking. We always feel dissatisfied with ourselves. And I don't know if you've made any of these observations yourself. I mean, I have definitely seen this within, like, my personal life. My boyfriend is definitely, definitely, definitely a shoe head. And, yeah. <laughs> that sort of spinning and then getting to that low point, I've seen it all over and over and over again. But as far as the research goes, in a study, that um, it was concluded that people who did buy those luxury goods that they did feel less confident and they wish to anticipate that boost in confidence every time which you can't do that if you are experiencing that low and then experiencing that high and then experiencing that low it's it's just a constant cycle of spending more and then as you said just having that lack of funds that then leads you to feel dissatisfied and then saving and spending and saving and that's not the proper way to spend your money. I, I mean, I'm, I'm not a financial advisor, but I, I could definitely tell that. <laughs> um, and it's important to realize that more money does not equal happiness. 
It, it, in another study, they also concluded that people who make 100000 a year has very little, little difference in happiness levels in the people that make a million a year. And we all think about how like being rich is like this amazing, glorified thing. But I have been through this debate with so many people I reckon that being rich can make you feel lonelier because like your money has less value your money has less value so what is there to like sp spend it on what is there to care about what is there to just be in the present satisfaction about because I feel like if you're in a comfortable level but you have well, if you're in a comfortable level, you'll feel comfortable, but if you have more than you need, then you'll feel like you're lacking something. But that that wasn't concluded in the research. Best people, <laughs> money does not equal happiness, but um, that was my personal input on that. <laughs> definitely true and I find it interesting you say that because um, I just gave a talk at uh, a high school this past Thursday um, and I had the students draw the uh, a right angle triangle and so I guess our listeners can imagine this imagine a right angle triangle right it has five layers or five levels right and we consider this to be the standards of living pyramid the very bottom category is charity. Right above that, bare necessity. Above that, getting by. Above that, comfort. And above that, luxury. And I asked the students to tell me what category do the rich live in? <laughs> most of them said, you know, most of them, comfort, luxury, comfort, luxury. And I said, oh, okay, all right, fine. What category do the wealthy live in? And everyone disagreed. <laughs> Some people said luxury. Some, everyone, everyone avoided charity. I shouldn't say they said all of the above. But everyone thought from bare necessity all the way up to luxury. And I found it interesting that the ones that said bare necessity. So I asked them why they think they live with bare necessity. And they said... They mentioned um, Steve Jobs and that he only wore one sweater <laughs> all the time. And I was like, I'm pretty sure he had multiple copies of that sweater. <laughs> but you're definitely on to the right thing there. Um, that yes, the wealthy understand that wealth is a mindset. To have wealth means to have something that is permanent or semi-permanent that can be passed on all right it's durable long lasting and therefore not necessarily tangible it doesn't have to be cash it doesn't have to be something that's digital but it has to be something of meaning that is very difficult to liquidate it's very difficult to get rid of i always say one of the biggest sources of wealth the, one of the best assets that we will we'll ever have is ourselves because an asset by definition is something that you own that grows in value over time and can always make you more money, can always earn you future revenue. And that is exactly what a human life is. So in the moment that we understand that we ourselves are assets and we grow in value over time and can always make more money, 
right? Once we understand ourselves that way, that should make a difference, that should impact the way that we control, value, manipulate, doesn't matter, our assets. And it takes an asset to create another asset. It takes an asset to grow another asset. So if you think about it from the perspective of human beings, a human life generally tends to create another human life, right? <laughs> so I, as hypothetically speaking, a mother, help create a child, right? Um, it takes cash or money in a bank account to be able to purchase stock. You can use stock to real estate. You can liquidate real estate to put those put it in bonds. You know, so it takes assets to create other assets. And if we are pouring our assets into other assets, no matter what, that's there's going to be growth. But if we're pouring our assets into liabilities, and a mm-hmm. liability is the opposite of an asset. So it's something that you may or may not own, but it depreciates in value over time and can always incur future cost. If we take our money, put it into a car, the moment that that car drives off the lot, it drops $4,000. You should have heard the way that the kids reacted when they found that out. <laughs> oh, it was great. <laughs> but, but they, uh, yeah, so, yeah, they they themselves were commenting, I don't want no car. Like, Why do people buy a Lamborghini? And I was like, yes. Look at you all healing these <laughs> generational wounds with this critical thinking. Um, yes, that's exactly right. You know, and and um, and I was saying to them like, yeah, you you, but can you take that car and buy a house? No. So when we think of our self worth, quite often that can be connected to our net worth. If you have more assets then you do liabilities. You have a healthy, positive network. If you are spending more of your time or more of your money on things that grow, that will help you grow internally or externally, then you will always have a higher sense of self-worth. Your confidence will be greater and, and, and what you invest in will be more meaningful because you aren't spending on things that drain you. However, if you are constantly surrounded by liabilities, things that as soon as you purchase them, they go down in value, like uh, Jordans, um, <laughs> you know, uh, then they then and then you don't really have much that you're pouring into. You only really have your bank account, but you have a hundred shoes that surround you. Quite often, that if you find an individual that's like that, they'll have a low sense of self worth. To to know what really really gives you a sense of peace to know what really means something to you one of the exercises that i do daily and people don't have to do it this way but for five minutes every morning i always sit down i set a timer and i write down my gratitudes i write down what i'm really thankful for and every time that i reflect on those gratitudes it helps realign my sense of purpose and what matters to me it helps create it really is what created that compass for me daily on default to know what's worth spending money on and what's not Mm -hmm. 
though, if something has meaning to you and it keeps coming up each and every day, that's how you know that that is something you value. And that is that is where your assets should be going and should be growing. Many people, they won't say, oh, I'm thankful for the roof over my head. But they may say, I'm thankful that I cleaned the bathroom. Or <laughs> the bathroom clean. I'm thankful for all the sunlight that's pouring into my room today. In tiny ways, they're saying that they're thankful for the fact that they have windows. They wouldn't have those windows if they weren't in their house. They wouldn't have that house if they weren't paying rent or paying their mortgage. So that is still giving thanks for their physical environment that their money is going towards. As opposed to very rarely do people say, I'm so thankful for my Jordans on like a daily basis. Very rarely. People tend to be thinking about the organic and they tend to be thinking about, you know, their their sense of humanity. That's why I don't bash people who hang out with their friends a lot, who may spend a lot of their money going out with friends. Uh, I say to them, you know, sometimes I'll say, all right, well, if, if you see that there's an excess going towards the food, then maybe it's time for potlucks, but it doesn't mean that it's time for less friends. It doesn't mean that it's time for less time with friends. It just means that it's time to get a little bit more creative with the way that we spend our time. Mm-hmm. And what you also find is that people who are satisfied with where they are in their standard of living tend to yield more income. They tend to receive more in general. If you're satisfied with your friends and your friends are satisfied with you, you tend to continue to pour into one another and and and, and everything that makes your friendship beautiful tends to grow. The same thing happens when it comes to our income. If we're set, I, we always see this, and this is something that hasn't changed. People who are thankful for their positions at work, thankful for just being able to have the job, they're more likely to get a promotion. Their superiors are more likely to see that. They want to keep them around and eventually they'll get a promotion. As opposed to the person who's always in the office or always in the lunchroom gossiping with their peers about sloppy things are. Those people tend to always be miserable because they see the job itself as a liability. Um, they create liabilities within their space. They're drained by the job itself and they're not going to receive more income because of it. And even if they do get a raise because they've nagged and nagged about it for long enough, they're the ones who are more likely to get that 50 cent raise instead of a $50,000 raise. Satisfaction always leads to more income. That's something I continue to see. And even if it's not immediate, even if that income may not mean like more in the pocket, it tends to come in the form of wealth in general. Things that are more meaningful to us tend to pour in a lot more when we're satisfied with where we are right now. Oh, wow. I think that's such a beautiful message, honestly. I think when we think about gratitude, when we think about satisfaction, we kind of think about more of like, oh, I'm happy with life and I'm happy with like my friends and happy with da 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 da. But we really don't think about how being satisfied and being uh, gratified in any way <clears throat> sort of impacts other areas of our lives like our work life like our income like our finance and things like that so I think there's a lesson to be learned like de- despite what it seems just being gratified to be gratified it definitely interacts with other areas of our lives and 
you know, I love how you sit down and write about your uh, things that you're grateful for because it just helps you feel more whole and it definitely has an impact on other areas of life. Um, are there any other ways to, like, that you can think of to be grateful or, like, for people who think there's nothing to be grateful about, are there any other ways that you think people can be more grateful for things around them? I challenge people to think about any time that you find yourself saying thank you, um, especially to another person. It could be for a service or, you know, for a, a deed. Um, but what, when do you find yourself saying thank you? When do you find yourself saying thanks? When do you find yourself saying, I appreciate you, appreciate it, man? <laughs> Slow down a little bit and consider why. It makes our thank you so much more intentional. You know, instead of a quick thanks, you'll pause and be like, no, seriously, thanks. <laughs> Just by repeating that, no, seriously, thanks, you yourself are telling yourself what matters to you. Like, you're really considering why that's a seriously, thanks, this is great. Um, those are reminders of to ourselves of what our values are um and the more that life checks us on what we value the more we know we should be thankful for eventually the more often we do that the more we'll pick up on the patterns and we'll find our own creative ways to remind ourselves of why it is that we're grateful for those things or thankful for those things and we come up with our creative methods ourselves that work most for us once we start that that habit of slowing down and checking in on why it is that we just said thank you I love that. okay well you guys have an assignment go write that down <laughs> do the five minutes or think about why you're saying thank you that is so simple um everybody can do it so yeah okay with that being said, we can go ahead and move on to the last topic, unfortunately, uh, values, behaviors, and understanding. So what is the basic of that? So generally understanding, because, because we have been using that word a lot, value, and when we're talking finance, you're talking about math. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> value is definitely a word that comes up a lot. But funny enough, when you're talking about mental health or you're talking about psychology, that also comes up a lot. And that's because the two are, are generally just connected. They really kind of are the same thing. Not the two, the one, technically the <laughs> one word value, no matter how you look at it. Um, actually, I wrote this down recently so yes I was proud of myself <laughs> um, yeah so when we think of the word value it's directly tied to the concept of importance or significance what is the importance of this thing why does it matter and I was just saying to to um, to a fellow investor, he's an advisor, but his focus is on investments, whereas for me, it's a blend of investments and insurance. 
he was saying mm, there's no value in art and that's why there's what? no money in art what? well you have to keep in mind that that's that's actually the way that most people in finance feel about art and i mm. i it's gonna change oh trust me I'm <laughs> i really am but that's the way that most people feel about art they feel like there is no money in art because they do not think that there is value in art and what i said in response was art can have no value if we do not assign that value to it why is cash considered to be of less value than a bank account why is a bank account considered to be of less value than a house or a property it doesn't have to be we can definitely see cash as being the most meaningful thing ever but generally in finance we don't consider cash to be very very valuable because of how easy it is to disappear how easy it is to liquidate you just take a lighter light it boom <laughs> gone right and you can't really insure cash but with a bank account even if you light the ATM on fire, the bank account's still gonna be there. Mm -hmm. But it's really easy to get that cash out of the bank account because all you have to do is stick a card in and look, the value's gone down just because you took it out. So real estate, on the other hand, has a lot more value because you can put seeds in the ground and voila, you have lettuce that you can now sell. Look, just like that, you got more revenue in your house in your building you can rent out a room you know you can run a business out of the second room and then the third room is your room that you sleep in so it serves multiple purposes you know and it grows in value over time because of all the things that you are doing with your house and with your property it's worth more to you however some people We'll say, nah, mm -mm, I, don't, I don't care about this house. The roof is always imploding. This ties back to gratitude, right? Mm -hmm. The house is imploding. I, it's, it's too big. I can't be bothered. Who on earth is going to mow that lawn out there? But I, I, I love the comfort of having as, just all of these bank accounts. You know, like it gives me, it gives me a sense of safety within my mind. I feel nice and calm. And... <laughs> Also, I like seeing my stacks. Like my stacks, like they're <laughs> they're all green. Green gives me peace. It makes me feel like I'm in nature. Those perspectives, the the second those second perspectives that I just mentioned, many people think that way. But in in the general scope of finance, we see value as as being directly connected to how important something is based on what we can do with it and personal values they actually work so many people with kindness this means nothing it's very little why be kind when you can be taken advantage of i say kindness is the most important thing in the world kindness is you know the second pillar of love and if we're not giving kindness, if we're not acting in kindness, then we're all gonna feel like we're, we're dying inside. Those are two different perspectives on values, but it doesn't mean that that value itself doesn't exist. So it's very important for us to understand 
those values because they impact our behaviors. They impact our attitudes. Our attitudes are directly tied to our values, but our attitudes influence our behaviors. We are more likely to act in a way that is in accordance with those values, and we are more likely to spend in a way that is accorded that is in accordance with those values. Spending itself is a behavior. It's a choose to. It's a choice to let go of something, let go of an asset, in hopes that it'll bring us the reward that we want. And having a good understanding of that, the more that we understand those values and the behaviors that align with those. The more financially literate we tend to be, the more financially savvy we tend to be, and the more financially secure we tend to be. I don't know if you had any questions around that. But. <laughs> no, I think I think you actually described it perfectly. Perfectly, um, I don't have any questions around that. <laughs> that's, that's no problem. No problem. Yeah. And and so what I observed regarding that sense of understanding um, and and understanding those values and understanding those behaviors is it really really tells us whether or not we know what we're doing um, or knowing well one knowing what we're doing but then also knowing whether or not what we're doing is the right thing for us mm-hmm. and so are we doing the right thing um, are we doing the right thing for society? Are we doing the right thing for upward, upward mobility? There's, there are those questions, right, that we have. That's the value piece. The behavior piece is what actually happens. Right. And I, I've been learning a lot about myself and my own behavior patterns because of the, the very kind of turbulent stage in my life that I'm going through. It's turbulent, but not tragic. Um, one, uh, or technically the five, the five D's of estate planning, these things that we teach in finance, the five D's of estate planning are death, disability, discord, distress, and divorce. And those five things I just so happened to experience in 2021. All um, at the same time? Um overlapping it felt like they were happening at the same time i don't really think that they were happening separately um they were happening concurrently but they all ended up affecting one another Mm -hmm. um so the disability came first um i i received news of a stage one cancer diagnosis and then came the discord, um, well, more like the distress, because by being disabled, I wasn't able to serve my clients, and therefore that affected my income. Um, and then that led, well, it didn't directly lead, there were other factors that led up to the divorce, but that was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. Um, the finances that we really just couldn't work out so that there was that divorce piece and then divorce always naturally leads to more discord and more distress so it, everything was up in the air where do i live and who's going to take care of what bills many people don't talk about the fact that with divorce there is separation and then if you have kids you have to wait a minimum of a year this varies state by state but in the state of virginia you have to wait a minimum of a year um before you can actually divorce 
thankfully our kids have four legs and are therefore considered property by the state <laughs> and so we had to wait six months those six months didn't feel like six months they felt like us just day after day after day after day sometimes second after second after second um and then i experience uh, um two deaths one of them a dear client of mine um and the other a very dear aunt of mine and i observed way that that really threw our family's finances and their family's finances just up in the air so right so what i observed from those deaths and the way that they really threw everyone's life just out of whack um the family's lives the friends lives of course the gofundmes went up but what i observed most was how tragedy begets tragedy so quite often when something goes wrong, it'll lead to other things going wrong. We're sad, uh, you know, we don't want to go to work, we miss days of work, therefore we lose money. There are things that grief, of course, just distracts us from naturally. And because we're distracted, things start to fall apart. And many people tend not to plan for that, so emergencies are what come up most often within the first six months after someone's passed away. And emergencies are the first things that tend to follow after a couple has separated because they're no longer working together, but there are still so many needs of the world that, that befall them, that, that call to them, and they feel a lot more distressed. Uh, that causes distress and discord. And then, of course, there's there's the lack of income. We tend to lose all of our income or our income is halved whenever we experience a disability because there's less that we can do. Many people are seeing that now, um, especially one, um, the ones who are experiencing symptoms of long COVID. And a, a frequent comment that I hear uh, is that long COVID sounds a lot like clinical depression um, and so anyone who has experienced clinical depression can identify with that lethargy and and and, and that weight that we feel when it comes to, to just sitting up um, if you've experienced a disability you know it's incredibly difficult to sit up and so when we experience those five Ds, anything around those five Ds directly impacts the way that we spend our money. It, it forces us to come face to face with our own values. And day after day, second after second, we either act in accordance with those values or we find ourselves stepping away from those values, acting against our own values. If we're acting against our own values, then we feel a sense of internal conflict all the time. So whenever it is that I do an unkind deed or an unkind act, I feel completely disharmonious. I, I, I feel as though I'm not being myself. And if I don't feel like I'm being myself, I'm more, li I'm more likely to continue to act outside of myself. I'm more likely to continue to be unkind because of that sense of conflict that I feel within. 
And so my money naturally will not be spent in ways that align with kindness, but with selfishness, with Mm -hmm. greed. And I found that happening, again, a perfect example, because of my divorce, I found that I I was less likely to pay our own bills because of that selfishness, that, that, that desire to say, ah, gotcha. That of course impacted my own credit scores, but that, that greed, that selfishness, that, that need for revenge, you know, I was just hanging on to those moments of instant gratification when I know it was like, "Mm, zoom, gotcha. Um, and did that end up paying off? Absolutely not. It meant that my bills ended up adding up and now I have this lump sum of debt that I have to be paying off Mm -hmm. all because of what because I was selfish because I was greedy and wanted to spite somebody that I considered to cause me harm if I feel distressed which happened a lot last year um, in my moments of discord and distress I was significantly more likely to spend impulsively anything that could help to, to calm my nerves make me feel like hey, this moment ain't so bad mm-hmm. um, I, I, you know, I spent so much money on gardening materials last year <laughs> that I did if I were thinking from the perspective of kindness I know that I love and, and if I were thinking about my other values, my love of community I would have been more likely to go to my neighbors who also garden, facilitated a conversation, opened up a conversation, right? And said, hey, do you have a gardening spade? <laughs> not only would I what not only would I have facilitated a very healthy friendship, I would have also gotten a gardening spade for free. <laughs> Instead, I went, spent money on a gardening spade. And of course, while shopping for a gardening spade was surrounded by so much more other stuff that I didn't need. The time that I spent in Home Depot shopping, I could have been bonding with my neighbor. Mm-hmm. And so that's a re- example of how our finances can conflict or align with our spending. And the way that that ties back to mental health is of course by feeling better about myself for getting a free gardening spade for 10 <laughs> minutes uh, you know there's there's that it's like woo, just save money living better <laughs> but i would have also facilitated a sense of community with my neighbors and there really is no healing within ourselves without relational contact without relationships yes we, we need to feel good as an individual ourselves um, but it never ever stops there and I'm a part of a dance group uh, a dance company by the name of Mental Health in Motion I believe you are familiar with Lisa Linger the yes. genius herself <laughs> uh, we actually just did a production on this um, and, and we were exploring the ways that Um, the community plays a role the individual, the community and the institutions around us play a role in preventive mental health breakdowns or preventing mental health breakdowns 
we started with the individual, right? And um, we explored anxiety, we explored stress and how difficult we tend to be on ourselves. Um, and the kind of ki- the kinds of kind words and kind messages that we can use to to make sure that we're maintaining our own mental health by being self-compassionate. Then we move on to the community. The community can be our friends and our neighbors, but they are also our teachers. They are also our local firemen, you know, our local police officers, etc. If we aren't in harmony with them and if they aren't in harmony with us, things are more likely to fall apart. Then we ended with the institution, and that was the final chapter. You know, yes, you go to your therapist, you also go to your social worker, you can go to your, let's say, your local translator, if you are an immigrant. Um, then there's your pharmacist, and the list goes on. If those institutions aren't communicating with one another, which we know in today's society, they do not, and... <laughs> they definitely need to um if they aren't communicating with one another then you may be getting help from one but by by them not communicating with one another one's helping you and the other one is harming you so i actually had a solo in this piece so i was running to the interpreter the interpreter was able to translate what i had to say but then it was my responsibility to take that translation and then go to my therapist, tell my therapist what my translator said. But of course, I can't say it as well as the translator, the interpreter themselves. And so by not having the interpreter present with me as I went to my therapist, I miscommunicated what I needed to say to my therapist. My therapist then made whatever recommendation she needed to make and sent me to my psychiatrist. Um, told the psychiatrist whatever it is the therapist told me but the psychiatrist not knowing exactly what the therapist said in therapist language quote unquote just used my own words which of course were already poorly translated from the interpreter and gave me medication that wasn't best for my mental health and so of course caused me more harm so we gotta see where this is going right Mm-hmm. And by the people in the community, my, my buddies from chapter two came in, talked to interpreter, talked to talked to translator, talk I mean sorry, talked to interpreter, and then talked to the therapist, then talked to the psychiatrist, got them to we used ribbons symbolically. By using a ribbon and connecting each of these individuals around me, they formed kind of like a square around me. I was finally able to get to that light that I needed to, that help that I needed, and I was finally able to heal. So every human being in this world needs this. They need to be connected to themselves. They need to be connected to their community they need to be connected to their institutions but their institutions need to be connected the community needs to be connected in order for us to even feel rooted within ourselves if we are planted in a space whether it be in our perfect example here Roanoke Virginia 
the universe chose for me to be planted in Roanoke, Virginia. In order for me to grow in Roanoke, Virginia, I have to become connected to my community. And the institutions around me have to be rooted in that community. So if the, let's think the major institutions in our schools here, right? Our major institutions here, example, school. If all our schools are run by an entity that's out of state, how on earth are they connected to our community? If they're run by someone who isn't within our community. If the members of our community, and I'm always reprimanding people around me, right? You have to love where you're from. You have to feel a sense of pride in where you're from, even if it's not popping. If everyone in my community is not saying that they're from Roanoke, but saying that they're from Atlanta, then they're already disidentifying with their sense of community, right? They don't feel as though they're from a place that exists because they're trying to say it doesn't exist and as individuals if if we're telling ourselves that we don't love it here that we don't appreciate it here we don't appreciate ourselves in the way that we're growing here that ingratitude pours out around us the examples that I just gave, I've been seeing now more than ever before, this disidentification, this detachment, while also wishing that the other parties were were working with us, right? So mm-hmm. we don't accept ourselves, but we want the community and the institutions around us to serve us. The community itself is rejecting the individuals that, that make up that community, and they're not growing or feeding into the institutions around them and then the institutions themselves are being bought out by bigger and bigger and bigger institutions so they aren't owned by the community and they're not owned by the individuals that disconnect we're seeing it more and more and i don't know if you can really relate to any of this if you've seen it but all of this goes back to finance all of this ties back to assets. So we're seeing less money being invested in our communities. Our individuals in our communities are investing less in themselves. And the institutions aren't serving these communities because they have no loyalty to these communities. They aren't investing in the communities. So hopefully that's something that'll turn around. I think it's inevitable that it will because we have to, we really do. Nature has a way of righting its own wrongs. We only go through periods of turbulence so that we can greater appreciate peace. So I know that that's changing. Okay. Well, I can see how this sort of wraps around and around and around. Back to finance, back to, and like value as we were talking about, especially within the community. And yeah, I I don't have any other words for that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Honestly, this discussion has been amazing, but of course it always has to come to an end. Um, it has been a pleasure talking to you. Any last words before we wrap up this episode? I should have really thought about that. <laughs> um, because there's always so much to say. <laughs> no, there really is. And, and once I get going talking about finance, it's very hard to stop. Um, 
I what I will say is or at least I'd love to challenge all listeners to to challenge themselves challenge yourself to understand what self-love is because that's exactly where all healthy finance begins I I know of very few individuals who love themselves and feel dissatisfied with where they are in terms of their standard of living. I mentioned that wealth exists on all tiers of the standards of living pyramid. That is simply because self-satisfaction and gratitude are really what negates the way that we feel about the world that we live in. And very few people who choose love feel dissatisfied wherever they are on that standard of living. A person living in charity may consider themselves to be living in luxury because they love the fact that everything is being given to them and that is the luxury. Many people will feel as though they are just getting by simply because they they don't feel appreciation and love for what surrounds them and therefore will always be getting by we can all live in luxury whatever we define luxury to be if we are choosing love i know no person who lives in love who continues to pursue love who doesn't feel like life is a gift a luxurious gift so it may sound a little corny and you may <laughs> hear it all the time but it really is facts choosing love means choosing a healthy financial life awesome well thank you for that message love talking to you again and i think we can close out this episode so um again thank you for that beautiful message that was choose love everybody choose love (laughs) absolutely and more importantly thank you so much jordan for having me there's that thank you (laughs) that i just mentioned thank you for the connection thank you for the opportunity to speak on something that i absolutely love and thank you for sharing all the messages that you do with your audience. I know that as an audience member that I know I will be going forward, I I myself am thankful for what you do. I myself am thankful for the opportunities that you provide for this world. And I really hope that Forever Bloom continues to bloom. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> all right so with that being said we can close out this episode so our website is foreverbloompod.org you can find us on tiktok instagram and facebook all at foreverbloomingorg plus twitter at foreverbloomorg and brie did you want to share your social media well social media my instagram is the terrier mama and i do post little knickknacks about finance on my story but what you'll find in my posts are usually of me and my dogs. Uh, <laughs> however, I use a lot of my um, I use a lot of my terrier references to connect right back to finance and mm-hmm. the choices that we make. 
So if you love dogs and you love financial references that are connected to dogs, then feel free to follow the Terrier Mama. There you go. Follow her. And I will, I'm going to follow her as well. So there you go. <laughs> um, if you want to be a podcast guest on this podcast, you can check out our website. And our podcast section is a form that you can fill out if you want to be on our podcast. And we also have an audience spotlight form where you can fill out a form that you can ask for advice and to be featured in our episodes. And you can contact us at management at foreverbloompod.org if you want to let us know your thoughts, questions, comments, concerns, because we love hearing from you. Be sure to check out fborg.card.co, and that is card with two R's for all of our easy, accessible links. Make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and rate us on Spotify, and share with your friends if you like this episode. And have a great day, afternoon, or night whenever you're listening to this. Thanks for tuning in.